Hallelujah. Now, if you say that in Africa, everyone stands up and shouts as loud as they can. Hallelujah. We're nearly there. Hallelujah. All right. Well, okay, we're getting there. You Africans know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you, Nick and Helen, for, for putting up with me last night, putting me up last night. Um, and thank you yesterday for those who invited us for the Way of the Spirit Teaching Day. So all those who are working with it, Debbie, Richard and Dillis, Tony, Ruth, everyone else, wherever you are, Dawn. Um, you've got a good crowd here who, who, who are into the Way of the Spirit, understand what it is, and are working with it, and see the potential of it. And I do commend them and, and, and the Way of the Spirit to you. I don't want this to be an advert for the way of the Spirit. That's not what I'm here for. I don't want to do too much preamble because time is limited. I want to get straight into the Word. Uh, And um, just had a a brief joke with Brian before. I said, how are you? Fine. Uh, Mightily blessed and mightily challenged. Isn't that always the way? When we're pursuing the kingdom, uh, we're mightily blessed. Uh, anyone here not mightily challenged at the moment? <laughs> There's some way or other in which we're mightily challenged. Uh, and that's how it should be. That's the right way of things. One day, you know, we'll be in a place where it's just total peace and rest and joy and praise God. But at the moment, there's a world to win um, and uh, there's, there's work to do, kingdom work to do. And there's a cost in kingdom work, isn't there? It's the call on the cross. There's a cross in it. Uh, there's a cost of it, cost to our lives if we want to follow Jesus. Um, that, 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 that there's, a, there's a cross that, we, that is ours. Um, and uh, I've been preaching um, uh, uh, from Ephesians, couple, first couple of chapters, for the last couple of years, really. We started memorizing the book of it. I'm not saying every time I preach, I preach from that, but we started memorizing the book a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a bit of a feat. Don't do a lot of that. But um, I heard this thing, this guy saying, well, if you do one verse a day, and then the next day, just do the verse you did yesterday, and then look ahead to the verse you're doing tomorrow, and you'll soon have done the whole book. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> so we had a go. We started it. Of course, it was far more difficult than it sounded. Um, but there was a sense in which, if you got into a rhythm, it started to come. And as you, started, as you start to memorize it, as you start to write it out and rem- remember it and go over it and affirm it, it goes around you, and, uh, uh, and you encounter the Word in a way that really is quite different. It's certainly different from reading commentaries or anyone else's opinions or sermons on it. Uh, but it's also, it's not, up, it's not up to your intellect. You know, it's, it's not our intellect, is it? It's the spirit working through the world. And as you do that, and, and, and with faith, memorize, you know, apply your faith, really lay hold of the word. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does with it. Uh, and, and so it really opened some things up to me, and I've been preaching on it uh, for a while now. Um, which is just as well, because the events of this summer, uh, for me, have been, have been trying, to say the least. I'm not going to go into those and give glory to the, to the devil or anything. But, but, I, but I'm so glad I've been learning to stand in the right place, uh, you know, and, and, and all that's put a, put a sort of strength in me, which was good preparation for, the, for what's been going on. But, um, so I just want to share with you something from Ephesians. I can't do the whole thing. We haven't got time uh, to, to go into detail, but it's going to go through a, um, a few bits from the first one and a half chapters, if I may. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the book of Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. I just want to go through it and pull out some things, and we're just going to see something fresh, I believe, today. Um, I love the way that God brings his word alive by his Holy Spirit. That's what the way the Spirit's all about. I believe you're familiar in this church with Smith Wigglesworth 
It's prophecy uh, that we've, we've, had the, we've had the move of the Word, we've had the move of the Spirit, and now we await the move of the Word and the Spirit. And uh, the two hands of God, as Irenaeus, the early church father, called them, the two hands of God, the Word and the Spirit. Uh, and then the church had to grapple with it all and understand that the Word and the Spirit actually were God as well, and that's the Trinity, and we're not going there this morning. But... Um, the two hands of God, the, thing, the, the Spirit was hovering over creation, the Word was spoken and God created. And He's created that way ever since. Right the way through the Old Testament, Israel's history, the prophets came, anointed, spoke the Word, and God created. Uh, Jesus was the ultimate picture of the, of, of the Word, the Word of God. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was made flesh. Jesus is the Word of God. Uh, and the Word was anointed by the Holy Spirit and went forth, and everything He did brought life. It created. And God is a God of life. He wants to, He's always creating, and everything He creates is always good. It cannot be anything else. When you were born again of the Spirit, he, he, you were born to be something good. And God looked to you and said, this is good what I've made. Uh, and right the way through church history, ever since you go through Acts or revival history, whatever, it's a, it's a person or a people have got hold of God or God's got hold of them uh, and they're preaching the gospel. The word of God goes out. Forget the culture of the day. It's the word of God that goes out, anointed by the Spirit. Uh, the, the prophetic word of God calling God's people back to him. Because that is what prophecy essentially is. It always has been calling God's people back to God. Repent, come back to me. Uh, and that's what God's been doing with it, through his word by his spirit from creation onwards. Come back to me, Israel. Come back to me, church. Come back to me, individual Christian. Uh, and uh, we, we, take, we, we go all over the world. We go to East Africa and India and various places and it's, everyone says, well, when you go to a new culture, you've got to get to another culture first, or you've got to respect this and that. You, you don't, actually. I mean, if you're going to be a long-term missionary, yes, you do. But you can take the Word of God anywhere. And you can preach it, and it'll cut right through culture and speak to people. I mean, you, you know, you're, you, you, there are different streams of church. I don't, I'm not particularly familiar with, with your connections and things. But I'm coming here to preach the Word. It doesn't matter an iota where we, our backgrounds and our streams, does it? The Word of God is, is what uh, carries the, the, the power. And it's the foolishness of the gospel, isn't it, Paul says. It's the Word going forth, the foolishness of the cross. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, haven't got, we haven't got long enough. But anyway, um, Ephesians. So Paul uh, is, is writing to the Ephesians. And look, what... what a, when Paul wrote his letters, he was so excited about what he was writing. And we tend to get up in our churches and we say, well, here's the first lesson, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus. You know, and, but Paul was so excited. And if, you under, if we understand, if we just start to understand a bit of where he's coming from, uh, we, we can start to see some of the excitement that he had as he wrote it down. Uh, he actually probably spoke it and then someone else wrote it down. And it tumbles out from him. He didn't plan it, you know, I don't think. He, he just started writing and it all came tumbling out. Uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't mention it explicitly, but I believe when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he had in the back of his mind, as any good Jew would have done in those days, uh, the, the story of Israel. I mean, they were steeped in it. They lived in it all the time. And, and between the lines, you don't, you don't always have to say things between the lines, do you? Uh, you don't have to fill all the gaps in. And Paul didn't. He assumed that his 
people who were hearing what he was saying, reading his letter, knew where he was coming from, knew the same things he knew. And so in the, in the early part of, of, of chapter 1 of Ephesians, there are echoes, there are sort of references between the lines to a much bigger story than is here, and the much bigger story is the story of Israel uh, being set free from Egypt and being redeemed and, and coming through the Red Sea miraculously, being saved, redeemed by God, the redeemed people of God, and coming through into Mount Sinai, Moses going up, encountering God, and God uh, saying, you'll be my set-apart people. You'll be my treasured possession if you obey me fully. See, I've carried you on eagle's wings. I carried you right through that Red Sea uh, to this place, and now you'll be my treasured possession. So it's about God saving a people, putting his hand upon them, setting them aside for his purposes. Uh, and that's the story of Israel that they were all celebrating and remembering all the time, of course, uh, back then. And even today, Jews do that. So he had that in mind as he wrote this story, this, this up-to-date story now for Paul, this actually much bigger story, because the first one was about Israel being saved, but he's now so excited because something's happened to save everybody now. And just as Moses led out Israel from, the prom from the Egypt into the Promised Land through the Red Sea, so now he's talking about a man who came who is like Moses, led people through something red, but not the Red Sea this time. His red blood is red, and redeemed them into complete freedom and freedom from bondage and slavery. So the, so the, the, you know, the, the, the preamble is Israel getting free from the slavery and bondage of Egypt and God saving them miraculously, bringing them into a spacious, free place. And then Paul's saying, well, look, there's an even better story, the story of Jesus. Look what he's done. He's led the whole of humanity through the Red Sea, out of bondage and, and uh, oppression, into freedom, into a spacious place, into the promised land. Uh, and that's all sort of echoing around in the, in the early chapters of Ephesians. Uh, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us already. It is done. Christian, you're not waiting to be blessed by God. He has done it. Amen. On the cross, he said, it's finished. And when you read the New Testament, please read it again with fresh eyes, noting the tenses. You have been blessed already in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Hallelujah. For he chose us in him. Just as he chose Israel and made him his own, he chose us. Who's us? All well, Ephesians, but Christians, everyone who believes in Jesus. He chose us in him, in him, phrase he uses a great deal throughout his book, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless. You are chosen by God to be holy and blameless. That's not talking about the length of your skirt or what you do on a Saturday night. It's talking about your set-apartness for God and for his purposes. Your life now set apart for him. Not just a bit of it, not just Sunday morning and the midweek meeting, but your whole life. Set apart to be different, because that's the root meaning of the word holy. You're called to be different from the world. 
and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace. We've heard a lot about grace this morning. And, a lot about, and we've sung about his name. And we're going to come to that in a minute. To the praise of his glorious grace. Which he has freely given us. That's what grace is. In the one he loves. We can't linger too much on this. I do want to get to, to a certain point. In him. And only in him. Uh, do we have redemption through his blood. But you note we have it. We're not slowly getting it. And we'll have it fully one day. We have it. You are redeemed if you believe in Christ and have been born again of the Spirit. We have redemption through his blood, not the Red Sea, the Red Blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Look at the language. Paul's just sort of lavished with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. This is a nightmare to remember, try and memorize. Uh, but look, what, what is the mystery of his will? What is it that God is accomplishing? If I said to you as you walked in today, what is God doing? I wonder what you'd have said. What is his plan? What's his, what's his vision? We like vision statements, don't we? What's his vision statement? Well, Ephesians 1.10 succinctly puts it very well. Um, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That's what he's doing. And God's vision is bigger than every church vision, every ministry vision, every individual's vision. And you see, it's not about us asking God to get caught up in our vision. It's about us getting caught up in his vision. It's not us thinking of something to do and asking God to bless it. It's rather letting him have us completely, wholly set apart, sweeping us up off our feet and us getting caught up into his plan. To be part of what he's doing, to bring all things together under one head, even Christ. In him are also chosen, predestined, skim through in order that we might we who were the first hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. That's interesting. You were included in Christ when you heard uh, the word of truth. Um, we, we sang earlier, you know, um, the truth has set you free, that, that Matt, Matt Redman song. It's not actually true, or it's not actually scriptural. It's not the truth that set us free. It's the truth we know that sets us free. That's what Jesus said. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. Now, I was a Christian for 15 years. I say that hesitantly, as I was sharing with Nick and Helen last night. I, you know, I was sort of, I went to church. Uh, and when I was in trouble, I prayed to Jesus. Uh, I was a policeman in London, actually. Uh, when, I, when I needed something, I had my quiet time. And I prayed, and God was there, and he spoke to me and, and helped me out and all the rest of it. But when I didn't need something, I was just doing my own thing chasing my career and living for myself, basically. I heard many sermons, but on reflection, when I look back, I don't know that I'd heard the word of truth. And then, and then something happened in my life, and I, got, I ended up somewhere else listening to other, sort of, other preachers and things, and I sat spellbound on the edge of my seat as I heard the truth. In other words, what the word actually says. And I wonder, 
as I was sharing with Nikola, I wonder whether I actually was born again at all for 15 years, or whether Jesus was actually wooing me, you know, and because he does, he reaches out and he, he woos us and seduces us, if you like. Um, uh, but, but, but Paul said, Paul got it just right, you see. You were included in Christ when you first heard the word of truth. I wouldn't have known what in Christ was. For 15 years, I've been in an evangelical charismatic church, and I didn't understand what those words meant at all. I'd barely heard us, uh, anyone talk about it. But when I heard pre- anointed preachers of the word telling me, and t- just telling me what the Bible says, that's what people need to hear today, what the Bible actually says. We don't need theology degrees and eloquence and uh, years studying or titles. We just need to hear what the word says. And when you read what it says, we have been blessed, and we are already in Christ, then that is liberating. And I wonder, I mean, I know that from that moment onwards, I was included in Christ, because I had such an experience of God at the same time as hearing the truth. Now, we don't have to have experience of God, but thank goodness we do sometimes. Um, but, but listen, you, you, can, you can listen to sermons and never have heard the word of truth. But when you hear the word of truth, that's when you're placed into Christ. When you hear it and believe it. And so that was really interesting when I got to that bit, memorizing it. And I was seeing how that really, how that works, certainly in my life. Um, but I'm going to come on to the in Christ bit in a second. Um, so, um, and then he talks about that being marked with a seal. Well, once we believe, we're marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So he comes and seals us, you know, like a wax seal. It's, it's, a, it's a warm wax. And that's then in there. The seal's there, the moment you believed. Thank goodness he does do it the moment you believe, because if you leave it a few seconds later and you already would have sinned again. But while you're holy, while you're, while you're cleansed and, and clean, he puts that stamp in your mind. Holy. We can then choose to live our lives anywhere we want because we've got free will. We can go a million miles from God, but underneath it all, that stamp, we're his. You can be sure if you do go a million miles from God that every now and then he's going to send his word to you. And you're going to hear, repent, clean your act up, come back to me. Because that's the prophetic word that goes out. Come back to me. You'll hear it and you might ignore it, uh, but you'll hear it because he'll send it. And whenever you do come back to him in repentance and faith, he'll clear out the rubble and underneath it, there's that stamp. He's there. The treasure. Uh, just as Josiah cleared out the temple and um, discovered the word. So our temples need cleaning out every so often. That's the job of the preacher. The, the, the prophet. You know, prophets aren't to go around telling everyone what's going to happen in the future and what their ministries are to be. and all. I mean, that's maybe part of it. Great. Well, Bully for you if you can do that, and, and if it blesses the body, then fantastic. But come on, let's have some prophetic preaching and teaching to bring the body of Christ back to a, a true walk with God, Amen. walk of faith, a walk where you do step out and you're mightily blessed and mightily challenged most of the time, because you're stepping out in faith and you're walking in what God puts in front of you, and you're leaning on Him and you're trusting Him. And you've let him sweep you off your feet to be caught up into his plan. You've not got one foot anchored on the ground into your career plan and pension plan and, and whatever other plan you have for your retirement. 
So, in Christ, in Christ, when we hear the word of truth. And he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, or I ask and keep asking, go on asking, that the Lord God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, presumably, they might not have had the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is why Paul's asking God to give it to them. Is it possible to be born again of the Spirit and of church and all the rest of it and not be operating in the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, presumably. I think it's a good idea to start asking God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon us, upon our churches, upon our Bible. Every time you open your Bible, don't rely on the notes you've got to go with it. God, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I cannot make sense of this without you. It doesn't mean anything unless the Holy Spirit illuminates it to me. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So Paul's asking because he's so excited at what he wants to tell the Ephesians. He's making sure that they're they're open to it and the Holy Spirit is at work in their life because they're not going to get what he's about to say unless he is. So so he's almost begging them, come on, you need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And boy, I've spent some time preaching and teaching when you sat here. You think, Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I mean, isn't that what preaching often is? You get prophetic Bible teaching is what we call it in the of the Spirit. You, you, you get some revelation with Scripture, and you're so excited about it. You're bursting because you want to share, share it with people, just like Paul was here. And so you don't do your sort of three-point sermon and plan it all out all week and touch it up here and there. Get, get full of the Spirit, full of the revelation, full of the excitement, just like Eli who was with Job. And, and you're, unless I share it, I'm going to burst. That's what... That's what uh, the sense Paul, Paul is in this, and uh, I think that's, we could do a bit more of that today. <laughs> the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so you may know him better. That's the motivation. I want you to know him. I've glimpsed him, and I want you to glimpse him too. I've seen God in this way. I want you to see him as well. And that's the only motivation. You know, preachers aren't here because they want to make a few bob. Oh, you don't peddle the, the gospel for profit. If you, if you did want to make a few bob, you're in the wrong job. <laughs> uh, probably. Um, but come on, that's, that's the heart of most preachers. Oh, come on, that you would see what, I'm, what, I, what, I, what, what God's shown me. I want you to see it. So it's a good prayer for a preacher, for his congregation, uh, before he preaches. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Now, there's two branches to the hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance. So that's our inheritance in the saints, and you can have a six-week teaching thing on that. Um, or 12 weeks. Uh, and, and secondly, I, uh, this is what I also want you to know. He says, the incomparably great power for us who believe. That's all Christians. That power, he says, is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and lifted him, uh, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So Jesus, we know, he went down to the lowest possible place, didn't he? He took all our sin, went down to the lower place than anyone had ever been in. And then the power of God, because Jesus was dead. His body was, he didn't raise himself up to life. The power of God got hold of his body, lifted it up, brought it to life, and then raised it up and put him in the highest possible place place. The way to go up is down. 
because he humbled himself in the lowest possible place, his father raised him up to the highest possible place. We'll come back to that place in a minute, but just linger on the power. Paul's saying, look, the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. And I'm desperate that you will get the spirit of revelation, spirit wisdom revelation, that you will see this and be able to operate in it. Because the kingdom of God, as he says elsewhere, is not a matter of words, but of power. Yeah, the words go forth, but the signs of wonders follow. We need to see power in the church. We need to see miracles in Come on, the church is built on miracles. Do you know John Piper, the writer? He wrote this book called Brothers, We're Not Professionals. I think it's quite a good, quite a good book. And he's basically saying to the clergy, look, don't, get, don't align yourself with all the leadership stuff and the business stuff in the world and think that by doing that you're going to build a bigger church. I mean, that may or may not be relevant, but come on, we're not called because we're professionals. We're called because there's a call of God on our life. We're placed into Christ, we're given an anointing to build, see the church built. But it's Jesus who builds his church, not us. Uh, and, you know, we need to see a, a, a more power in the church, I mean, miracles, and, and uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Come on, Lord. Uh, and so he raised him up, but look where he raised him to. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the ones to come. So whatever title you think of, he says, whether, whether you've already thought of it, whether someone's going to think about it in the days ahead, whatever title, he's way above it all. Uh, can you just think, let's linger on that for a moment. Jesus has been raised to the highest possible place. Jesus the man. Far above all other rule and authority. I mean, you know, the devil is nothing compared with God and my Jesus now. I mean, please never get, never think the devil's on an equal plane with equal footing. He's a created being. He's an angel, angel that fell. Forget the devil. He's way below. Jesus is way above. And he says, uh, and, 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 every, uh, and God placed all things under his feet. Uh, did I say the name bit? It's above every name. Far above every name. Oh, somewhere it says every name. Anyway. Uh, but listen, what can you think of any names that sometimes get on top of you? Pardon? Is there a person called Diablo? Is there a person called Diablo? I don't get the question really. Can I, can I deal with your question afterwards, sir? Come, come and talk to me afterwards. Okay. Um, but look, let's not miss, miss the point here. The point is that all things are under Jesus' feet. Now listen, we talk about coming out of bondage into freedom. We sing about freedom. We sing about truth setting us free. But come on, are there any names that today you are allowing to come over you? Are you living under any name today? Because Jesus has been raised far above every single one of them. Let me give you some suggestions. Cancer. Illness. Fear. Oppression. Negative thinking. Poverty. Lack. 
dominating relationship. There's just a few names. Christian, Jesus is way above every one of these names. And if you worship him as your Lord, then you must not allow these names to oppress you. Because otherwise you're worshipping them. In a sense, aren't you? You're allowing them to come between you and Jesus. No, Jesus has been raised far above every name, every authority, every rule, and and he's appointed him to be head over everything for the church. The head of the the church is over all things. Okay? It is finished on the cross. Our job is to learn to live in the good of that by faith. We're not waiting for God to do anything more. He's done it. He might be looking down and saying, Christian, I'm waiting for you. But we're not waiting for him to do any more. Um, and then he goes on that the verse that Nick referred to, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed. Well, let me, let's just do an illustration before I get on to this bit. Um, Jesus was raised up here, right? So we get the idea. It's up here. Right now, far above every other name. Okay? This is where he's Lord from. This is where he rules and reigns from. Now, there's nothing that can get the better of Jesus. He's way above. Just get that established. Right. So now, as for you, you were dead in your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us used to live among them. So he's saying, we were all, we were all miles from God until we were saved. Uh, we all lived among them. We all, we, all, we all lived to gratify the cravings of our sinful flesh. Our flesh. Forget sinful nature. Flesh. And that's what I was saying about myself. When I look back, I, I basically lived for my flesh to gratify my desires. I was just about savvy enough to know that if I got into trouble, Jesus would be there for me. Uh, but I'm not sure I'd really come out of that, old, that worldly way of living. You know? um, anyway, um, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We all were, God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, hallelujah, God who's rich in mercy, we heard already, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in truth. So even when you were dead and far from him, he came and reached you, seduced you, got you, pulled you, lured you by hook or by crook, got hold of you by the scruff of the neck, eventually. Um, it is by grace that you've been saved. So, yeah, of course it is. It's by, no, one, no one's got anything to, you can't say it was part me, part God. You were saved by grace. But here's the next bit. And am I in, oh, I'm in reasonable time. Uh, and God raised us up with Christ. Finished work. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. How many Christians are living the sort of existence where they're walking along, going to church, doing this, doing that, sinning, getting up, you know, uh, oh, oh, sorry, Lord, you know, and here's my shopping list. This is what I want you to do. And, and you know, I'm, I'm gradually getting better. I'm gradually improving as a Christian. As a saint, one day I'll be up there with the Lord, you know, uh, and, and look at those people who are ahead of me because I've been Christian so many more years. Does anyone identify with that sort of thinking? It's common in our thinking. 
It's entirely unscriptural. Because what Paul's saying is the moment you were included in him, when you first believed the word of truth, the moment you believed, you were raised up with him. And placed up here. Finished work. It's done. You may still sin if you choose to, but it doesn't change the fact that you're up here. And just as all things were under Jesus' feet, so now all things are under your feet. But it's the truth you know that sets you free. And putting your faith in it. And choosing to walk in it. This is where you are if you're born again of the Spirit. So, just quickly. Down here, the Christian sort of is, Dear Lord, please give me this. Please give me that. You know, please... I need this. Thank you for sorting this out. This is my shopping list. And if you could do that for me, that would be great. And one day this would be nice. And Lord, please, please. You know how we do, all the lists of prayers. But up here, if we know we're up here, our prayer life changes. And our worship changes. We're not singing a song trying to reach God and maybe connect with Him. We're up here in His presence. And the first thing we say, whatever's going on around us, whatever challenges we, we are facing, the first thing we can do is be grateful. Father, thank you. You've saved me. Just like Moses saved you. You've saved me. You brought, through your blood, you've rescued me from the kingdom of darkness, brought me into the kingdom of light. I'm saved. I'm cleansed forever. I have eternal life in you. Uh, you meet all my needs out of your glorious riches. Thank you, Father. Just full of thankfulness for a stuff. And then, oh, by the way, all right, I've got this need here, so I'm not going to ask you, but I'm going to declare your victory over it. I'm going to prophesy over my finance. I'm going to prophesy over my job, over my church. I'm going to speak over it because this is where I am and it's, all the problems are down there beneath my feet. But, but, but God's called me into partnership with him and I'm going to declare it in the power of the Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from death to life. I'm going to worship with the power of God in me. I'm not going to sing songs. I'm going to declare in worship. I'm going to touch the throne of God in worship. It's, and I'm going to make progress and touch him. I'm not going to wait for him to come and do something to me. I'm going to reach out and touch him because this is where I am. So if we get the revelation of what Paul's saying, our whole Christian life transforms because we're now in Christ. I know it's not new teaching or anything. Paul was teaching it 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Many have taught it since, but I've just got a fresh revelation of it these last couple of years, and so I'm excited about it. <laughs> and one thing I've learned about teaching is you don't have to come up with something new every time to tell people. You tell people what God has excited you about and that that will excite them. How many times do we need to hear that God loves us? As many times as anyone wants to tell us. I've seen people who have been Christian years in Bible colleges, sat on the edge of their seats, hearing afresh that God loves them. And if that's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to them, what, who are you to try and work out something new out of your cleverness to preach them or teach them? No, teach what Jesus wants to teach. Let Jesus teach his church. You be a channel through whom he can do it. Through the word, by the spirit. Amen. I didn't know I could do it in half an hour, but I have. That's normally a couple of days. <laughs> but look, as ever, God wants us to respond to his word. Now, first of all, just open your hearts. 
You know what God said to you through any of this. But first of all, I want to know if there's anybody who isn't certain that they've been included in Christ. Because you've listened to sermons. I'm sure there are great sermons here. But you've heard, some, you know, in your Christian life here, there, and everywhere. But, but you've, you've only just sort of started getting the word of truth, maybe. And I don't know, maybe you, 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 you don't feel you've ever been firmly placed into Christ, born again of the Spirit. You know, in our culture, church culture, it can take years to complete the process. You can start here and finish 15 years later. Uh, and you need to know that you're born again of the Spirit. And so if anyone who isn't, definitely isn't a Christian and you, and you want to be born again, then I want you to please put your hand up right now. Is there anybody here who's not saved? And today wants to give your life to Christ. You want to come up here? You want to stand on the chair? Is there anybody? So I don't know you also. I have no idea whether there's any here. But um, Okay, well, secondly, just... I wonder if we got some keyboard. Would that be possible? Uh, is there anybody here who, just as I was saying that, and you can identify with my journey, 15 years of charismatic evangelical Christianity, but never really grasped the truth in the way that I felt, well, okay, that's it. I, I'm, I, I'm now in Christ, I, I, I believe. Uh, and if that's you, uh, I know it's a sort of a brave thing to do, and especially if you've been coming to church for a while, but, but make sure, make sure, make sure today. So does everyone bow, the, bow their heads, please, and just shut their eyes? And, and if, if that's you, even if you think it might be you, let's make sure this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you bear with us through all times and all cultures, you understand what's going on in the world, in the church world, and, and your, 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 your truth doesn't always get through to us. Maybe it's our fault. We haven't really heard it. But, if you, but I've heard it for the, uh, this morning for sure. And I bow my knee to Jesus' Lordship. And I thank you, Lord, that you have included me in Christ. Just pray that to, to God. Just, just throw your hand up so I can see. Please. Yeah. Just throw your hand up so I can see. To, yeah. Keep your hands up, please. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I've no idea if, you, if you've been coming to church for decades or it's your first time, but please tell somebody afterwards that, you, that you've just said that to the Lord. And so today is like a new day for you. Whatever's gone on in the past, today for sure you know you're in Christ. You're already seated with him in heavenly places. There's no more striving. There's no more struggling to make something happen. There's no trying to perform for God. No trying to be a better Christian. You've absolutely reached the zenith of, the, of, of all that's going to happen this side of heaven. And you are as high as you can possibly be. You're, you're in the same place as Jesus. And all things are now under your feet. Hallelujah. Secondly, just like anybody who sees afresh this morning where they are in Christ and is, uh, is, is convicted that, yeah, there are things in your life that you've been living with that actually Christ calls you to live above. 
I'd like you to come down the front here and I want to pray with you because I want to pray courage and I want to pray strength that you will lay hold afresh of the truth of the Word of God and find what you need to rise up above whatever it is in your life that has been dominating you, oppressing you, pushing you down, keeping you in place, whether it's in your own mind or whether it's from external, it doesn't matter. But you're called to be free. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It's for freedom that Christ sets you free. So please just come forward. I believe there will be quite a lot of you, so don't hold back. Come forward, if anything at all has been getting on top of you. And, and by coming forward, you are declaring that Jesus is Lord and that you're going to live your life without any of these things oppressing you. But you're going to learn to walk in Christ. And from this moment, you're going to walk free in Christ. Because the truth you know has set you free. It's not that anything's changed today, but the truth you know, what you've seen today, has led you into a new freedom. <laughs> <laughs>